Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Camero here with episode 272 of the Tutor Podcast, the Monday morning show for anyone in the business of helping people through teaching, tutoring or coaching. And as usual, I'm just here to share ideas, insights I've had, daft thoughts and a generally sunny, positive disposition. Everything I've learned, everything I've stolen, appropriated, borrowed during the last 24 years I've been in business. And also from the tens of thousands of pounds I've invested in training education and the hundreds of books I've read. I want to share it all with you in a no-nonsense, no-BS kind of a way. So, let's crack on with it. Now, I don't know about you, but I've lost count of how many students come into lessons saying things like, well, I'll get it when I'm here, but it's gone completely when I get home. Does that ring a bell with you guys? I hear it a lot, and it puzzles me a lot. They just forget about it, as the Sopranos would have had it. And I'm really interested as to how it's possible that the minute someone walks out of the teaching room, like, poof, it's gone. It's vanished from their mind, and it's gone from their fingers. How does that work? Well, I've got a couple of theories about it, none of which is likely to be the single explanation, but all of them probably contribute something to the the puzzle, the enigma of this instant forgetting about everything. In brief, the, the four theories I've got are, number one, that I haven't embedded the lesson properly. I haven't actually secured the, the progression that we're looking for. Second one is that the student is resistant. Three is that there's a conflict between what the student believes and how they identify themselves. And then four, the magic factors. The magic factors are that it only works in my teaching room and that it only works when I'm around because I'm obviously a unicorn and I'm very special. So let's pull those theories apart and have a look. Number one, maybe I haven't embedded the lesson properly. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible that I've not made the ideas sticky enough. That I haven't put it in a form that is inescapable for them. That's down on me. That's why I keep trying to develop new ways of explaining things. Next is that a student might tell me they've got it, even when they haven't. As a tutor, as a parent as anybody in life you're going to get lied to students frequently tell you they understand something when they don't because they don't want to look stupid we need always to make them feel safe and know that if they don't understand something it's not because they're stupid it's because they don't understand it yet and there's no connection between those two things and the third part of this one is that a prior error or failure may have occurred. So the, the new material doesn't have a, a hook to attach itself to or a foundation to stand on. 
I always try and eliminate this possible problem by looping back to the last session, just touching again on the material covered in the previous session as a check to make sure that everything from previous lesson is, is robust and I can build on it. And that's just me checking that everything is as it should be before we proceed further. Now, my second theory is that the student is actually resistant. Resistance here means they're resistant to reality. And often we'll cover something in a lesson, the student and I, and I'll ask the student to repeat the process at home to sort of groove in the technique or the concept. And this usually works, except with certain particularly stubborn players. These are often guys who've played for decades, and they don't do what I've asked because it's repetitive. And of course, having played for decades and come to me because they're not happy with it, they obviously know how to play. When they come back and tell me they didn't because, well, because they already knew what to do and maybe they thought it was beneath them. I always ask, what stopped them? What stopped them? from putting into practice the custom-made expert advice they were paying good money for. People will resist change, and that's all we as tutors can offer them, is the tools to make changes faster and better. So my third theory is about the students' beliefs and their identities. These all tie into the student's core idea about what is normal for them and what is appropriate for them as a guitar player. This is a situational identity. Now, when a student plays something here, which is beyond what they believe they're capable of, they're probably going to be okay because it's here. But when they go home, they'll start to argue with themselves about what they did and begin to dismiss it. And rather dashing home and saying to themselves, man, that was brilliant. Oh, I, I was brilliant. I can't wait to get home. We do it some more. They let their old reality seep back in. And this is a problem. Because when a student sees themselves a certain way, probably as a duffer on the guitar, they'll invariably live down to that belief. That sense of themselves being something. A better player won't necessarily be someone they can see themselves becoming anytime soon. Their identity is, is actually very easy to identify if we just listen to what they say about themselves. If I hear someone tell me I'm a crap guitarist, so I'm useless at improvisation, I'm, I'm a bit thick, I'm slow, or I don't have a very good sense of rhythm. I don't learn things quickly anymore because I'm old or because you choose your justification. There's loads of them out there. Well, then I know I'm dealing with someone for whom rapid learning and improvement is, is going to be a threat to their sense of who they are. Their sense of who they are comes under threat when they learn new things. This is always a fun fight when we get into the thick of it. We have to engage in that fight because if they don't think they are that certain person, they won't behave a certain way. The excellent Peter Thompson says that people won't consistently do who they are not. 
And I think that's a really good summation of it. People won't behave in a way they think is inappropriate for them. They might do it for a few minutes here and there, but they're unlikely to do it all the time. So, listen to what they say about themselves, and then subvert it, because that is our job, isn't it? And then finally, my fourth theory is it's all about the magic factors. These are the psychological and behavioural factors that impact all of the other theories. The first part of it is that it only works in my teaching room. Maybe the teaching room is safe. It's sure dedicated to teaching and music. It's a, a noted place of learning and exploration of ideas. But home is all too often where the day-to-day -day struggles of life take place. And maybe the magic from my room doesn't travel very well. So this is an environmental issue. If my student's trying to play guitar in the family room or the lounge where everybody else is and there's a fight for noise, there's a fight going on for who's using the computer, who's sitting in a certain chair, somebody's trying to do homework, somebody's had a bad day at work and just wants to be quiet, well, good luck with that one. So it isn't magic after all, it's just environmental. So my second magic factor is that it only works when I'm around because I'm special. Yeah, special, but not in an air quotes kind of a way. So the magic is that my frame is stronger than theirs. Now, we've done friends before in a previous episode. My frame, if you like, is my window on the world. It's the, the portal through which I see and interpret everything that goes on in the teaching room and all aspects of my life and on theirs. That means that whatever I have as my frame will massively impact how I behave, how I speak, how I think. The basic frame elements are, the bits that make up my frame are, the belief that I always teach effectively, that they will be able to get better each and every day. The belief that this is easy, that the guitar is simple, that this should be fun, and above all else, I believe in them. I believe in their ability to make music. With a frame as strong as that, it's going to be very difficult for people to stay in the room and not take on those beliefs with me, because I operate at a very high energy level when I'm teaching. I control my state and allow my state to dominate theirs, because my state is powerful it's energetic it's unshakable my frame is unbreakable all that stuff rubs off on them because the higher energy person in any encounter always dominates the encounter be it high positive energy like someone who's really uplifting to be around or high negative energy someone who's really depressed who brings you down all the time if their frame it's that strong and that powerfully held and contains that much energy, positive or negative, everyone else will move to their calibration level. So when I'm teaching, I'm calm. And yet, curiously, I'm excited at the same time. I'm interested. I'm playful. I'm curious about how we can do this. And I'm massively positive 
enormously encouraging. That rubs off on people. They've got no choice but to fall into step with the way I do it. And it's easy because I just exude that energy when I'm working. And the best teachers do this. They take us into their world with them. I find that listening to the language and making careful, controlled use of the language in the lessons is a big part of this. And the language used will massively affect the perception of the experience that's been encoded and understood via that language. So some quick pointers here. I never use the word but when I'm teaching. The minute I say but, after I've said something positive, the good stuff vanished. So if I said to you, that was brilliant, but then you know for sure that the brilliant comment was just me buttering you up, ready to kick you in the backside, having patted you on the head. My second language point is that there are no mistakes, just notes and sounds that don't belong there. So when someone plays a note that doesn't really belong, I go, oh, that's interesting. Maybe that's not yet the right time for us to use that note. If we go to the one that's already been suggested, you might find that's a better fit. That has a very different effect to me saying, you got that one wrong. How would that make you feel? If someone says, that's a really interesting note choice. It's not the one on the sheet. It's a note that'll work, but I don't think it works here yet. You notice there? I use the word but. That was very conscious. There's a negation in there. So, put everything in positive terms. I use the phrase, I don't do no negatives, because it's a mildly hypnotic phrase. And while their brain is trying to unscramble all the various negations, I could be doing other things with their psyche. Whilst their big brain is distracted, we can crack on with the real learning. Language is massively important. It's also a lot of fun to do this. Now, I'm not necessarily claiming there's anything more or less magical about me than there is about you. But I know for sure that the state I'm in and the sheer unburstable strength of my frame are the differences that make the difference when a student is here. Because I act, move, speak, and I believe in certain ways, which all is the components of my state, and I dominate the room with that state, my student will fall into step with my state and begin to act, speak, move, and believe in very similar ways to the way I do. The problem is they have to go home. And they'll almost always fall back to their old, normal way of being. The state they have here, whilst they're influenced by environment and by myself here, is temporary, it's situational. It's special. This is an extraordinary world they move into when they're here. The problem is they have to go back to the ordinary world. Your job is to give them as much of that extraordinary world to take home as you can cram in. And you can do that by using embedded commands and conversational hypnosis to suggest that they use their special state all the time. 
to see new opportunities, play more guitar, smile more and help more people. Give them that special state. And that gives them permission to change and grow. But the return to reality can remind them who they've been for a very long time. And that's a reminder when they return to that old reality that that's not who they want to be anymore. Get them to start acting in the way that they want to be in the future. As Pete said, people won't do who they're not. They won't behave in ways which conflict with their own beliefs about what's appropriate for them, their sense of identity. Even if it means that they would finally get what they've wanted all this time. And that's why they'll get it here and instantly forget about it when they get home. Personally, I never forget about it. I never forget about who they could become and how they could play and how they could make music. And I never let them forget about it when they're here. That's just me. What do you think? I'd love to hear from you. I'm here to learn, here to help and to share. Drop me an email. It's info at neilcamado.com or find me on Twitter where I'm at Tutor Podcast. As always, I'll be back next week with more no BS ideas, more tips to help you to start, grow and love your tutoring business, just like I love mine. I hope this podcast has got you thinking and has have been some help. Till next time, stay healthy, stay useful, have a fabulous day. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.